everyone, and welcome to Free Stamp Read, formerly Bet Less Make More. I'm your host, Michael James, here today talking to you about NFL free agency and what's left in the market. As we head into the last week of June, only about a month out from the kickoff of preseason, we want to take this moment, a final look at what remains in free agency. The last few pieces, last couple quality players that might be out there, that team's looking good over the hump, might need to get them there. The difference makers that can still get on a roster. Seven guys in particular stand out. Not all of them are top-tier dudes, but what all of them have in common is that they are previously Pro Bowl caliber guys. At some point, and quite a few of them at many points in their career, they were the elite of the elite. Most of them aging veterans or guys who from injury have taken a step back, now relegated to maybe backup roles or at least rotational player roles. That doesn't mean they can't have an impact at this late part of their career, can't rejuvenate things maybe a little bit, get out there and still find themselves a ring before they ride off into the sunset. Seven dudes in total we want to cover today. All previous pro bowlers, all high quality guys, so there are dudes underneath them available still in the free agent market. Other quality veteran players, other guys with a little bit of injury history who could get signed and step in as injuries occur through the season. You know you're going to see it. It happens every year. Talking about the seven dudes in particular on our board, we start with quarterback, two guys in particular, Colin Kaepernick and RG3, Robert Griffin III. Now, RG3 came out with a boom. First round draft pick, top, top tier guy, number two overall behind Andrew Luck when he was drafted, goes to Washington. They also draft Kirk Cousins in the fourth round of that same draft. Dude had a stellar rookie year and was one of a few rookies that season in the 2013 year that went to the Pro Bowl. Looked like everything was heading his direction. Injuries occur, a little bit of poor play, change of offensive coordinators, and pretty soon he finds himself out of a job being supplanted by that fourth-round draft pick, Kirk Cousins, out of Michigan State. Washington Redskins, now Kirk Cousins' team. Last year he goes to Cleveland, doesn't really do much there. Injuries cause more trouble for him, and he's out looking for another job. From first to one of worst. Now, is worst necessarily the right thing to say about him? No. Is he one of the worst quarterbacks in the league? No. This is still a quality player, quality athlete. And even if he's his quarterbacking days are done, he still has enough in the tank and enough legs and skill to maybe be made into an other-purpose weapon in the guise of someone like Terrell Pryor, guy who was picked in the supplemental draft by the Oakland Raiders, former quarterback at Ohio State, was supposed to be the heir apparent quarterback for Oakland when they grabbed him, grooming him for the future. That didn't happen. He bounced around a little bit, moved from quarterback to tight end just to try and stay in the league. Still didn't really happen for him. And last year in Cleveland, moved from tight end to wide receiver, was their big possession guy. And guess what? Dude went for a grand on the season, made some noise, and suddenly found himself in free agency with a little bit of negotiating room. Got himself a decent contract, and he's now playing for RG3's old team, the Washington Redskins. He'll be their top receiver there. So, though it's not a regular occurrence, there is at least some hope, and RG3 has seen it for himself, having played with prior just this previous season in Cleveland, to know that there's value 
to switching positions, maybe considering that. Is that really what he's looking for? No. Dude sees himself as a quarterback. Dude wants to be a quarterback. But you find the right coach who's looking for what RG3 brings to the table and a little bit of convincing, a little bit of tweaking in the mindset might get him heading in the right direction. It's probably his best choice long-term for a career in this league. If he stays at quarterback, there are still a few teams out there that could use him. You could very well see him get re-signed by Cleveland. They're really not certain what they're doing with Osweiler. Deshaun Kaiser, the rookie out of Notre Dame, might end up having to start him, maybe not. And the depth of players behind him and guys like Kessler or Hogan, there's not starting quality guys there. There's nobody there that's really going to turn the Browns into a threat. RG3 with his legs, with his ability as playmaker, if he can stay healthy, still offers some of that. That's why they signed him last year. That's why he could get signed back again this season. If they decide that Osweiler's not the answer and they jettison him and that Kaiser's not quite ready to step in as a rookie, they'd rather bench him at least for half a year, if not the full season, RG3 could find himself back in Cleveland. He could also end up in negotiations with someone like the New York Jets, who's going to be circling through a trio of guys that seem like all moderate to bad decisions. Christian Hackenberg, Bryce Petty, or sort of the 1A, 1B, teaming up to find an answer there. McCown, the veteran, he's in the mix as well. But nobody is really stellar. And with the total lack of weapons that they have there, bringing in an athlete like RG3 at the quarterback position might help them spread the ball a little bit and keep opposing defenses honest helping the Jets get maybe a win or two that right now we're not expecting. Our number 32 of all 32 teams, the one that we see as close to being guaranteed goose egg, 0-16 when the season ends. Buffalo, Seattle, Dallas, if RG3 is willing to go in as a backup somewhere, these could all be options for him. Teams that have quality players at starter, particularly at Seattle and Dallas, who not necessarily have quality backups behind them. Dallas is probably the weakest of any of those. Tony Romo's out. He's now going into broadcasting. So though you have a solid rookie heading into his sophomore year in Dak Prescott, there's not really any experience behind him. Bringing in somebody like RG3 gives you at least a little bit of security blanket in a dude that plays not quite a, a identical style, but at least a somewhat similar style of football. Seattle with Russell Wilson. They do have Trevon Boyk in there. Boykin did well in limited time last year, but bringing in somebody like RG3 upgrades that backup role. Same thing in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. They have a rookie Nathan Peterman who maybe doesn't really fit the scheme that they have there in Buffalo. Cardale Jones, formerly of Ohio State, looks like he's just a toy to play with for a little while before they either trade or dump him. I don't know that I necessarily expect him to make the final 53 roster this season. So again, RG3 as the number two, bringing in as a backup behind Tyrod Taylor, might make some sense there. With Colin Kaepernick, this is a guy that could and should start. Should be a player in the league. He's better than what Houston has with Deshaun Watson at this moment. Watson may be the better player long-term if developed properly in Houston, but at this moment, Kaepernick is the veteran with experience and the skill set to be able to come in and be a leader and get some wins for that team. He could do the same for Cleveland. Similar situation, again, talking about Deshaun Kaiser, not quite ready. Maybe Brock Osweiler isn't the answer then. Kaepernick could be an answer for Cleveland. Same thing with the Jets. Two teams we've already talked about in Cleveland and the Jets. Houston in that mix as well. If Kaepernick is happy 
going in and taking a backup role. And I don't mean happy like, hey, this is what I always wanted to do. Yay. No, I mean at least that he's willing to hear him out and say, you know what? Gives me a chance to be on a quality team and I'll just bide my time and wait. Hopefully no injuries occur in front of me. Don't want to wish some bad shit on people, but if it does, I'm ready to go. Two teams in particular where he would be an excellent fit. Two teams that are maybe in need of a quality backup. Carolina, who's been relying on another former Cleveland guy. Seems like Cleveland is just all over the place in today's conversation. But a former Cleveland guy in Derek Anderson, an aging veteran who maybe isn't worth keeping around anymore. You can upgrade that backup spot behind Cam Newton by adding Colin Kaepernick behind him. Two guys that have somewhat similar size, strength, and a little bit in their playing ability. If Cam Newton goes down, and it's happened before, Kaepernick can step in and get this team W's. Or maybe Anderson isn't quite there anymore. He's not the level he might have been when he was a backup for this team early on when they first drafted Newton, and he's had to come in and win some games for them before. That would be an upgrade to that position. Tampa Bay in the NFC South. Again, another team that could use a backup. They lost Mike Lennon. Dude went and signed a big contract, $45 million over three years for Chicago. And he, even with that big contract, may end up being the backup again for the Bears. Conversation we covered in gross detail when we talked about them. You missed it? Check it out on the website, presnapread.com. With Tampa Bay, Mike Glennon is out. They bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Does he fit that scheme and system? Is he an optimal backup? No, not really. Not with what they have with Jamie Winston. And I don't know that Kirkpatrick has enough desire. Forget about skill, but even desire to play at this point. Maybe he is just too beat down from his years of loss. Year after years after years of loss. To even go out there and compete at a high level anymore. Colin Kaepernick. Maybe a better fit as that number two behind Jamie Winston, a very solid security blanket. Somewhat similar situations for the two of them. Different player between the two. Certain schemes, certain players as backups, RG3 would be a better fit for than Kyler Kaepernick. But both of them have opportunities out there. Question is, is where and when do they sign? I don't know that either necessarily signs prior to preseason. At this point, you might have to wait through the first couple weeks of preseason. Teams start making a couple cuts here and there. Injuries start to build up a little bit. They're figuring out what their backup situation is. And a team like Tampa Bay, looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick, they've got him out there playing the majority of the preseason games, not wanting to risk injury to Jamie Winston. Look at him and go, at he's not really what we were hoping we would get. A move to jump him and bring in Kaepernick instead might occur at that time. Same kind of thing with RG3. Who you might see get signed in the next month or so are some of the other positional players we want to talk about today. On offensive line with Ryan Clady and Nick Mangold. Clady, a veteran tackle who spent a lot of his time in Denver, Houston, has been on the Jets before as well. And Nick Mangold, who spent the entirety of his career with the Jets. Him and Dick Brickoff, uh, excuse me, Brickishaw Ferguson were dominating leaders on that offensive line for about a decade before Ferguson decided to retire, maybe a little bit earlier than expected, wanted to go out before his body gave out on him, and you got to respect the dude for making that kind of choice. It's a choice that's becoming a little more common. Each year we see some of the younger guys, early veterans with six, eight years in the league, not quite hitting double digits, played yet, 
and they're go ahead and coming out. 29, 30 years of age. They're like, you know what? I'm not waiting to hit 35, finding myself in the hospital week after week after week. I'd rather just call quits and save a little bit in the tank for the rest of the life in front of me. Rickshaw Ferguson out. Nick Mangold was the centerpiece of that offensive line. Could not do it on his own. And honest to say, at this point in his career, he's taken a bit of a step back. Not quite the player he was at the elite level when him and Ferguson were in their youth, leading that O-line, consistent pro bowlers every single year they played. Mangold now enters free agency. Dude's been out there for a while. Nobody's really chopping at the bit too much, but there are teams out there that could still use an upgrade at center. They're going to be fishing around here pretty soon. Spring practices, well, summer practices, we should say, underway. Figuring out what they have in players. There's still a lot of movement happening with these teams. And we've seen, with the Jets in particular, some big moves. Since we talked about them at number 32 overall, they jettisoned Eric Decker and David Harris, both of which have already been picked up. Eric Decker, the wide receiver, is now playing with the Tennessee Titans, making them an even bigger, better, stronger team than what we already saw. And we have quite a surprise for you when we get to the Titans later on in our power rankings. And David Harris, former Michigan guy who has spent his entire career playing and leading the middle of that defense for the New York Jets, now signed and part of in-division rival New England. Love what New England does. They go and get a guy like Stephon Gilmore, former starting star cornerback for Buffalo Bills, in-division rival, bring him into their squad. Now they go and get a middle linebacker, David Harris, formerly of the Jets, bring him into their fold. He's a leader, and he's going to have a good year. Jets' loss is everybody else's game. McNangled is one of those losses. There's a shot that maybe they bring him back, but it's very, very doubtful and very slim. In effect, it doesn't even make them one of the top five teams he could possibly go to on our board. It would not be a shock if Mangle followed suit right alongside David Harris and found himself signed in division to New England. They could use an upgraded center. They don't have bad center. In fact, they've got a lot of guys who can play the position, including Shaq Mason, David Andrews. But they no longer have a Pro Bowl caliber elite level leader in the middle of that offensive line. Nick Bengold has been that guy before, and under the right leadership, Tom Brady and company in New England is certainly qualified to be that right leadership. Nick Bengold may find himself being able to uh, lengthen his career a few more years and be that big-time player in the middle of that line that he once was, helping dominate, helping that squad in New England get another Super Bowl, maybe back-to-back. If it's not New England, other top quality teams he could go to include Green Bay, where an upgrade over Corey Lindsley absolutely would be justified, and they have the money to be able to go out and do it. Tampa Bay, again, they signed Joe Hawley as their center for the season, but Nick Mangold, an even bigger, better upgrade over what they have in Hawley. Hawley could very easily be relegated to the back of the position. They're not locked in with so much money into that guy that it would be a waste to put him on the bench instead and let him ride as the backup. Nick Mangold with guys like Donovan Smith, DeMar Dotson, Ali Marpet, Caleb Beninock would solidify that line, and it would completely relegate the rumor we've been hearing lately that the team's considering moving Ali Marpet to center. Now, Marpet's never played center, not in his entire career. So going into the season... Taking somebody like Joe Hawley, who you signed to two years and $2.7 saying, yeah, we got you, but 
we want to move on and move our guard into your spot. Our guard who's one of the better at his position in the league. And then replace him with, what, Cam, Kevin Pamphiel, Caleb Beninock, Evan Smith, J.R. Sweezy. Any mix of guys they're overpaying for, for the quality of play they're getting from them, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Tampa Bay is sitting on some good cap money. They're going to have 12 to 15 million to work with. They can easily afford somebody like Nick Mangold. It would secure the center spot while not having to move Ellie Marpet around, wasting his talents, putting him in a position he hasn't played before. And it would be an upgrade over what they already signed to Joe Hawley if they decided to go that route and make Hawley the starting center, leaving Marpet at guard. Either way, adding Mangold is a win and allows players to play at their best, in their best suited positions, and solidifies that line that was number 18th last year, allowing 35 sacks per game. Excuse me, 35 sacks over the course of a season, 2.2 per game. Baltimore, Seattle, also in that mix. Seattle team that badly needed to upgrade its O-line. Went out and got a few pieces and dudes like Luke Jokel. Drafted Justin Sr., drafted Ethan Pochich. And Pochich from LSU is a center. That's what he played there. He's a top-tier guy. Probably the best, if not 1A, 1B, with Elfline out of Ohio State at the position out of this previous draft. But Pochich at 6'6 and 310 has the experience and the size to also help this team out at other positions of need, like the tackle spots, either one, right or left, or guard, particularly on the left side. This was one of the worst O-lines last year, ranked 27th, allowed 2.6 sacks per game, 42 in total on the year, so adding Mangle to center, a veteran guy there, allowing Pochich, the rookie, to maybe play interior at the guard or at the right tackle spot, moving those pieces around to strengthen the line, bringing in Mangold so you have that center spot clear and covered, would make a lot of sense for them. Places where he can go, and places where he'll likely go sooner rather than later. None of these are situations where you're waiting for somebody to necessarily get injured and then replace it through September or October. Instead, this is the kind of move, kind of scenarios, we're signing him now, getting on roster, and getting in with the rest of the players on those lines to get practice in would make a hell of a lot more sense. With Ryan Clady, a little bit different situation than Mangle. Clady's a guy who, for the most part, would be competing for a starting job, likely could be relegated to a backup spot. Might be playing right side versus left. He's played both at different points in his career. Could even play interior at this point if somebody needed him to. Giants, New Orleans, Seattle again, as we already talked about, Buffalo and Denver, a team he played for before, a team that drafted him originally, could all be in that mix. Of any of those, maybe New Orleans with the injury to Teron Armstead makes the most sense. Now, they played with the idea of signing Cleve Barnes. He was signed, then he was released. I can't actually tell you whether he's on roster or not, because there's competing reports depending on which resource you're looking at, whether they have Khalif Barnes or not. And even if the Saints do have Barnes, Barnes doesn't necessarily equate to a solid offensive line. If they put him on the right side, moving Zach Streif to the left, something Streif has really never done at 33 years of age, that dude should have that right tackle spot locked and loaded and own that. Barnes then would be the left tackle while Armstead's out. Not a good scenario. Khalif Barnes wasn't a decent offensive lineman first years 
in Jacksonville, went to Oakland after that, had some good seasons there, but he is at the ass end of his career and is not the quality player anymore. This is an easily replaceable piece, a rotational guy at best, most likely a bench guy, a dude you bring up as a backup, maybe use on special teams. Now, there are some players on roster, and Saints were lucky enough, smart enough maybe if you want to say, to draft a tackle Ryan Ramchek, a guy who's a best fit at right tackle, and they brought in to be the right tackle of the future, spent a couple years learning under Zach Streif, who at 33 years of age with two years left on his contract, probably will play out the end of his contract and then ride off to the sunset and call it quits. So, drafting Ramchek, use a couple years to develop him, bring him in, plays on that right tackle spot, Streif is out, makes a lot of sense. They could use Ramchek, move him to the left side, but is he ready to play there? That's the big question they have to answer. If they're still trying to figure out what to do with Armstead and Ramchek is not the answer, it's certainly not Andres Pete, Larry Warford, guys competing at guard spots. So you look in a free agency. Of anybody that's out there, the one that by far is the best fit, who can play both the right and left side, who gives the Saints the flexibility to maneuver pieces around that line while still putting together a quality product, is Ryan Clady. They could go guard somebody like Evan Mathis if they decide that Ramchek is the tackle that they're going to move forward with, with Armstead out. But even then, it doesn't necessarily give them the depth that they need because they've now used the guy in Ramchek who can play tackle or guard as a rookie would be better suited to see some playing time but not be the full 100% relied on starter. They have taken that piece away and what they are left with behind him are guys like Josh Laribius and Chris Watt. Not enough strength in depth to really help solidify that line with what remains. Adding Clady makes a lot of sense for them. The Giants, a team who a lot of people are talking about being contenders, would also make some sense. Where they have Eric Flowers, who can play right or left, probably better suited as a right tackle. DJ Fluker, another guy who they signed. One-year contract, $3 million. Another big body dude who's better suited as a right tackle or right guard. And they already had John Jerry, who they re-signed. He's got three years on his contract with Michael Bowie, Martin Wallace, Adam Biznawati, who they drafted, Chad Wheeler, the undrafted rookie free agent. They seem to have a lot of pieces that fit the right side of that line, but nothing real specific that's better suited to play that left tackle, left guard spot. Justin Pugh had that left spot for a while got moved inside the guard. That's where he's the best fit. They could force him out to left tackle. It would be a bad decision, though. Leave him at left guard. Let him work that interior. Let him perform at his best. If he's at left guard, Fluker and Jerry make sense to compete for that right side. Guard or tackle. Flowers a better fit at tackle. That left tackle spot, which right now we might even see somebody like Chad Wheeler, formerly of USC, an undrafted rookie free agent, be able to step in and outperform other options and take that spot, that is where they're lacking most depth. You bring in somebody like Ryan Clady, who can play that left tackle spot, would probably be the best option of any player on the roster as a left tackle for the season, allowing them to move Flowers to right tackle, allowing them to play the big body guys like DJ Fluker and John Cherry on the inside, alongside Justin Pugh, alongside Weston Richburg, Gives them a lot of flexibility. Gives them rotational pieces to keep their O-line healthy. Gives them the ability to set up rushing offensive lines versus passing offensive lines. Groups that are better at protection. 
groups that are better at creating holes. Get those big bodies in there and let them lead your backs and help develop that rushing offense that last year was 29th in the league, putting up a measly 88.2 yards per game on the ground. Ryan Clady can come in, solidify that left side of that line for the season, give them a better option of what they currently have on roster, allowing the guys that they do have to move to the right side where they better belong, where they can be better productive. At wide receiver, we mentioned earlier about Anquan Boldham, really the only wide receiver out there worth talking about beyond Jeremy Macklin. Now, Macklin would be the number one by far. In fact, he'd be our number one current free agent on the market. But we've already covered Macklin in some gross detail when we talked about the Philly connection a week ago. If you missed that, go to the website again, thepresnapread.com. Get that information. We spent a lot of time talking about where he could go, where it makes sense, what schemes he would fit in, and how he would be used. So we're not going to cover all that again today. It doesn't make sense. With him off the board, so to speak, the next guy up at wide receiver, if there's anybody worth talking about, is Anquan Bolden. Now, Bolden's a big-bodied guy who's never been a fast guy, so he's going to come in as a possession receiver and be that dude you're going to rely on for about six, seven, maybe 800 yards at the most, but it's going to be a small yardage. It's going to be goal line and red zone situations to help bring leadership on that field and in the locker room. So groups with younger receiving cores might make sense. Teams that are lacking a possession receiver, a true possession receiver, would also make a lot of sense. Teams you'd look at would have to be Houston. You have DeAndre Hopkins there. You have Will Fuller, the speedy rookie last year from Notre Dame, heading into his second season. But there's a real lack of depth there. Braxton Miller didn't really turn out the way they'd hoped for. They recently dumped Keith Mumphrey off after some uh, off-season issues. So adding somebody like Bolden to be that veteran presence, that possession guy, allowing Hopkins and Fuller to do what they do best, go downfield with some burst and get the long ball, would help them out. It would help develop that young rookie quarterback into Sean Watson, a veteran leader on that field with a lot of years' experience who has seen a Super Bowl to go out there and teach this young former Clemson quarterback how to be a pro. With Hopkins and Fuller, they would now have a trio of decent wide receivers, and Houston might be able to outperform expectations at that point. Pittsburgh, another place. Go there to get a championship. And Bolden, this late in his career, that's really what he's got to be looking for. Pitt, New England, Atlanta, Carolina, all teams that can help do that for them, and all teams that could use his services. Now, I know when you think of Carolina, particularly Atlanta, you're not thinking about, well, those teams don't really need a wide receiver, but he's a specific type of wide receiver at this point, and they don't really have that guy. Carolina last year was pretty disappointed in what they got from the possession guys in Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, so bringing in a serious veteran with some ability to lead a locker room in Anquan Bolden might not be just for what he puts out on that field. Four, 500 yards, it wouldn't matter. It would be more for what he's able to do in that locker room to push Funches and Benjamin to become bigger, better stars in that field, to become the 1,000-yard-plus receivers the Panthers were hoping for, the Panthers wanted when they drafted these two guys. With Pitt, New England, it's adding depth on top of depth, making sure you have enough strength and depth in your roster that if you're missing guys from injury or, in Pittsburgh's case, with somebody like Martavis Bryant, suspension, 
that you have the next man up to continue your pursuit of a Super Bowl in this year. Tom Brady, don't know how many years he's going to be remaining in the league. New England's looking to capitalize as often as they possibly can until he's out and done. Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, similar situation. They got the big three of Bs. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. That trio works very well together. They are a star trio in the league, but they're not going to be a star trio for too much longer. Roethlisberger's already said, in so many words, that he doesn't have many years left in the tank. So adding Bolden to secure the depth in the wide receiver core, should Martavis Bryant find himself suspended again, should Darius Hayward Bay be lacking a bit, should somebody like Justin Hunter not work out, and they're not entirely relying on only their big three, the back in Bell and the receiver in Brown, adding Bolden to the mix, another B, would make some sense for that team. Carolina, Atlanta, New England, Pittsburgh, Houston, all viable options for Bolden. And all teams with his addition might be competitive for at least playoff spot, if not a Super Bowl. Houston, the odd man out of that group, as Pitt, New England, Atlanta, and Carolina are all right there on the verge being Super Bowl bound for this season. On the defensive side of the ball, there really isn't a whole lot of value left in the front seven at tackle and or at linebacker. You look to defensive back instead where you find two guys in Daryl Rivas and Rashad Johnson, both capable, quality defensive backs who've had good seasons as of recent but are coming off of subpar years. A lot of the same teams could use either one of these two guys, either because they're looking for answers at corner and safety or because they're considering Rivas not just as a corner but possibly as a safety. It's not something he's done on the field before, but at this point in his career, he's no longer Revis Island, and you know that signing him. You're bringing him in more for what he can do in that locker room and be a leader for the young guys behind him. Get him out on that field. He's maybe a nickel corner at this point. Don't know that he's a full-time starter at all. Does not have the speed to keep up anymore, which makes moving him to safety make a lot of sense. So where you want to look are teams that maybe have guys that have the flexibility to move corner or safety, but they're looking to fill a hole. Dallas has been courting Revis for a while. That's the big rumor we keep hearing about, though nothing has been signed and completed as of yet, and it would make a lot of sense with somebody like Byron Jones on roster. The dude who can play corner or safety. He's been playing free safety for the most part, but given his history, what he did in Connecticut before being drafted, given his athleticism, can be the starting corner there as well. With Jones's athleticism, giving him the ability to be able to cover receivers up front on that line, matching up one-on-one, you move Revis to safety and substantially upgrade what you currently have there because with Jones making a move to corner, what you would have is a rookie in Xavier Woods, formerly Louisiana Tech, who at this point, not having taken a single snap inside the NFL yet, may not be ready to be the full-time starter at that position. Safety is the weaker spot for the Dallas Cowboys right now. So bringing in somebody like Revis and or Rashad Johnson would substantially upgrade that defense backfield and put them in a position to be a playoff contender. Right now, they're a team we kind of see right on that cusp, maybe around 500 club this season because of the weaknesses in that defense backfield. They need help at both corner and safety. They have Jones who they can move back and forth. So adding one or both of those pieces and still being able to move Jones around to whatever you need, making him a starter up front at corner, matching up on guys or in the defensive, deep defense backfield, excuse me, 
gives you a lot of flexibility and improves that team in a major way. Philly, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Carolina could all use Revis. They're all teams that need upgrades at corner or who could use the leadership out there. Have youthful groups that aren't necessarily, uh, don't necessarily have a compass to guide them. Just too young, just too much untapped talent that doesn't know what direction it's going in. With Pittsburgh, you've brought in guys like Sean Davis, Artie Burns, dudes who are now starting in that defensive backfield. William Gay is the veteran leader in that cornerback mix. I don't know that he's a starter anymore. He makes a move to nickel, and really that's where his spot is if Brian Allen's able to secure that starting corner spot, but that's another rookie you're talking about. So you could see a rookie corner, a second-year corner, a second-year free safety in the mix of four starting defensive backs, bringing in Revis to help secure that defensive backfield to give you depth at both safety and corner if they're willing to give him a shot at safety or if he's willing to play safety, giving leadership inside that locker room more than just William Gay for that defensive backfield group would go a long way to helping Pittsburgh get over the hump and make themselves a playoff, if not Super Bowl, contending team. Philly, with the lack of depth they have and the fact that their top corner is probably the rookie, Sidney Jones, out of Washington, who's injured and may not see any of the season, bringing in Revis to help him move along and learn about this league and this position in the league while he's recovering. Also, at the same time, getting on that field and giving you a veteran experienced player to compete and help the other young guys out on that group gives a lot of dimension, a lot of assist in what, if it's only one year, could go a long way to securing Sidney Jones as an elite player on your team for the future. Seattle, Carolina, all could use depth. Who wouldn't want to see Seattle get Revis and have Revis Island out there with Richard Sherman Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas behind them. A sick combination on paper. Wish we could have seen it years ago. But now, if it's going to happen, is the time for it to happen. And you damn well know that Seattle's always looking for a way to upgrade its Legion of Boom to get that one piece that can get them over the hump. They don't have a whole lot of money to play with, but they could still find a way to get that done. And with Carolina coming off a year where they had two rookie starting corners, they're going into the season those two still the starting corners, depth in the defensive backfield, at safety, Kurt Coleman, Mike Adams, veteran guys, Coleman performing pretty well over the last couple years. They could use another veteran presence in that mix to help the two young corners develop. Revis can be that kind of guy and help them out. With Rashad Johnson, teams like Carolina wouldn't necessarily need him, nor Seattle, but Pittsburgh, go in, be a competitive guy, Maybe be able to outperform Sean Davis, the rookie, or at least give depth where they can rotate because Johnson can play free or strong either safety spot. Outside of that group, you're looking at teams like Cincinnati, the Giants, Tampa Bay, maybe even going back to Tennessee, where Tennessee doesn't have a real answer at safety without Rashad Johnson. That, if anything, is their one glaring weak spot on this team. So getting him back on roster, even if he's not as fast as he used to be, even if he's not the player he once was, hell, it does a lot to improve them from what they currently are in that deep defensive backfield. Pairing him up with somebody like Landon Collins in the Giants, giving them two very strong safeties, 
Again, not a tandem that's very fast, not a deep backfield tandem, but up in the gut, in the box, run stuffing would go a long way to helping the Giants move up the board and go from being one of the teams we see maybe in the bottom of the league this season, despite their additions, despite the strengths of their team, being one of the bottom teams, to getting up just a couple inches more, maybe at least a 500-club squad, maybe threatening for something inside their division. The key thing to keep in mind is what these players can offer and where they best fit. There are other teams, obviously, that a lot of these guys could go and help out, but they may not be better fits there than what we've already talked about. And on top of that, a lot of the teams we've talked about, Cincinnati, New England, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Dallas, New England, Atlanta, these are all playoff caliber quality teams, all teams looking to go out and compete for a championship this season. These players, at this point in their career, yeah, they could look for a paycheck, and maybe they'll just take that and be happy and run off in the sunset. Somebody who's already got a Super Bowl ring could very well do that. But most of these guys don't have one. So at this point, if they got one, maybe two years left in the league, that's what they're staring in the face. Retirement is coming and coming quick. Then signing with a Super Bowl competitive team, a playoff competitive team, is what they're ultimately looking for, which makes this select group of squads we talked about each one respective to the player mentioned, probably your optimal situation. All right. That's enough for today. Stay tuned with us. We got a lot more coming up yet this week. We still getting back to our power rankings. At number 28, the New York Giants, our surprise team in the bottom five, number five on our board overall. Then we get back into the fantasy ranks with wide receivers coming up next. So much more after that. We're rolling through our preseason work. I'm Michael James. This is the pre-snap read. Stay tuned for all that and more. I thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.